0: So two episodes ago, we talked about two of the biggest functions of marketing. One is reach, second is response. So starting in the next episode, we're going to get into the response side and go deep into that, which is what I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out. But to wrap up the reach side, the biggest lesson I can give you is don't be boring. And so this is a special presentation that I gave for our Tycoon Tribe mastermind of seven figure plus e-commerce entrepreneurs, and it's about how to stand out with your products and with your ads and content. Because if you can figure out a way to stand out, which a lot of businesses get wrong, they put super boring stuff out there, and they wonder why they get nowhere with their ads. If you can find a way to stand out, and I'll show you exactly how to do that, then you can get 10X the value out of the money you spend on ads and out of the content that you post on social media and with your products themselves. And so this is a special presentation that I gave just for our mastermind, but it's super critical for you to understand when you're trying to figure out how to get the most out of your marketing so that then you can get the most people in your funnel and then start figuring out how to persuade and convert them, which is what we're going to get into next. So please enjoy. So principle number one is contrast, using what people don't expect to increase sales. So the first part about this, let's talk about the product, creating contrast in your product. Monster Energy, I don't know if anybody saw my post about this, but I actually read 25 years of annual reports for Monster Energy, which probably sounds a little insane saying that out loud. Uh, each one's like 200 pages. <laughs> At some point, you know, like maybe like 50% of it's like boilerplate. I'm not literally reading the same, you know, but it's probably easily thousands and thousands of pages. And so I read this because I was curious. This company today has a market cap of about $50 billion. And I was like, how did it become a $50 billion company? And it does about $6 billion in sales. I still don't get why it's valued that much of a multiple of sales. But either way, $6 billion in sales, $50 billion in market cap. Either way, it's done really well. I was like, how did it do this? And because it's a public company, you could just go read. So you start going to sec.gov or wherever, and you start downloading all these things and uh, printing them like I do, uh, and you can read them. You can find out. And so I read from like 97 all the way up to like 2022. And so what I found out is that one of their big innovations is there's a few things to learn here that I'll kind of cover relatively quickly. They started off as a juice company back in the day. And so it started off as like a natural juice company. This guy was schlepping his juices around California and stuff. That business started in like 1930s or something, ends up kind of going bankrupt. Uh, these guys buy it out of bankruptcy, still selling juices. And then around 97-ish, they start kind of figuring out like, hey, these kind of like people are kind of into these energy drinks. So they create these like juice energy drink products under this Hansen's brand. And then they kind of like, hey, people are really into these energy drinks. And so they ended up creating, uh, they wanted some unique product in that space. And so they're doing kind of this focus group and they're like, they find out from their accountant, I think, that, hey, if we double the can size, because everyone was doing, like, the eight-ounce Red Bull sort of size, and they found out if they doubled the can size, it didn't really increase their cost that much, but now it was double the size of the product, double the value, but almost no extra cost. And they did this focus group, and this guy was like, man, this can is like a monster. And so that's kind of how they came up with a name. And so their big innovation was doubling the can size, basically the same ingredients. So I would say doubling the can size plus also having this kind of extreme branding really stands out. And so they would say time and time again that they would, I, don't, I actually don't know if the product looked the same when they first launched it, but in every one of their annual reports, they would say for all of their products, they're constantly looking at like, what does this product look like? What does the packaging look like? What is, what's going to make it stand out? Because you think about their main source of sales has been from the beginning and till now has been retail. And so you don't have a long sales page in retail. All you have is what the product looks like. But I think that's a big factor on Amazon as well. And I think if we ever want to go to retail, we also have to be looking at it. But either way, having a product that stands out, in their case, was literally just doubling the size. They needed some contrast. It's a bigger can and more extreme design. Another example, boxed water. Despite what they say, they just put water in a box. And so, but it works. You think about, once again, in a retail environment, same thing applies online. Something different. They're not innovating you know, some world's new fancy water. Um, I think even people that say that are probably just regular water. But in their case, they literally just put water in a box and I think it's you know they're kind of saying it's more environmentally friendly which is great Um, but also just kind of stands out makes it look different so when you're thinking about your product it's like what are you going to do that's going to make it different than what everyone else is doing because if you're doing the same stuff then it's probably not going to sell as well as it possibly could death wish coffee is another one kind of unique value proposition you know the world's strongest coffee they went extreme on an angle and we talked about this a little bit before that if you can go really extreme on a feature or angle, that's another way you can make your product stand out, as opposed to just getting mixed in there with everyone else. It's Like how you make it the something, the strongest, the biggest, the smallest, the lightest, the highest quality, the most expensive, any of those kind of factors is a way you can carve out a niche for almost any product out there. Um, I've heard before from an investor, I haven't looked at this myself, but uh, he's saying like Ferrari, you know, they make tons and tons and tons of money, but they only sell you know, not that many cars per year versus like a mass market brand like Toyota or Hyundai or whatever, like they make more money than them and they sell a limited number because they have this super expensive car. doesn't mean we should all get in that sort of space, but that's the same way of looking at it. It's like if you have something where you can make your product really stand out at the extreme on some feature set, that's another way to make the product stand out. Um, this is a pan that uh, I think Kylie's bought a couple of these. She's bought them for my mom's. And so they've done extremely well. They sell this pan for quite a bit more than other ones. And so... Um, for them, you know, having this kind of unique design, I don't buy a lot of kitchen gear, but from what I know, most pans don't look like this. So it's a little bit more of a unique design. Uh, their value proposition was basically going hard on the sort of the non-stick angle. And so creating a product inside of a generic space, most just kind of black pans that nobody's that excited about, they created this brand that's absolutely exploded by making it different. So it's like anytime you look at your current products and you're like, why is this thing not selling as well as it could? It's usually not because you're not getting the right traffic or you're not buying traffic at the right place. It's usually because the product's not exciting enough. It's not different enough. It doesn't fill a niche in that space enough. And so that's the first thing to look at is making sure you have a product that actually stands out. Life Boost for us, we've tried to make the packaging a little bit more unique than what other people do. I mean, one thing for us, does this red thing doesn't really show up on the screen, but you see how we have those little logos down there at the bottom we've put more copy on our bag than I think most people do. Now, online, I think we can get away with this. If we go to retail, we may have to take some of that back a little bit for compliance and that sort of thing. But for now, we're like, hey, nobody put sales copy on the bag. We're going to put sales copy on the bag. Um, Charles is also in love with these birds on the left and stuff, so he's insisted on having these birds. <laughs> I'm less sold on the birds. But at least the, brand- the branding and packaging and stuff looks somewhat different. But for us, you know, the value proposition, I think, has probably been a bigger driver low acid, super clean coffee. We don't care about all these things that David knows about with tasting notes and this and that. Um, That's not what it's about. It's not for those kind of people. It's for regular people who want really good coffee that's as clean as possible. Specifically, you know, the most loyal sort of raving fan customers are the ones who want lower acidity coffee that's easy on their stomach. Um, So that's kind of been our value proposition. So the first thing when it comes to contrast in your business is having a product that actually stands out. So a few ways to do that. Colors is an easy one. Um, using a unique color palette that's not going to blend in. Packaging, putting your product in a packaging that looks and feels different. A lot of cases, I feel like this is enough to, is almost to win in almost any space um, if other people are not doing this very well. If you take a packaging that you know, maybe costs you a dollar or two and you get a packaging that costs you like three bucks or something, all of a sudden you've got this unique packaging that could possibly stand out amongst everyone else. Always something to look at. Ideally, you could do it for the same cost, but at least having a packaging that's somewhat different is not a bad way to go. Features, like I said, take an extreme stance on one feature or value, like Death Wish going extreme on making the coffee as strong as possible. I order some, it tastes terrible. I don't know how people drink that stuff, but maybe they just dump like cream and stuff in there and maybe it's fine, I don't know. Not for me. Uh, but it's for a lot of people. They sell a lot. It's good for them. Uh, size, biggest, smallest, lightest, heaviest, kind of going back to the monster, they literally double the can size and that's not the only thing. You can't be like, oh yeah, now, you know, they do 16 ounce, I'm going to do a 32 ounce energy drink and I'll somehow crush it. It's like there's a lot more that goes into there, obviously, but that innovation early is sort of what kickstarted all their growth. Then they had to back it up with all the other good stuff, all the other branding and all that sort of things. But without that one piece, they would have had nothing that stood out. I mean, they already had energy drinks. They weren't working that well. They were doing okay just because the whole energy drink market was lifting up, but as soon as they had this innovation, that's when their business exploded. Which is why, like, them, for example they were launching from 97 until now, they were launching at least 10 products a year, um, maybe up to 20. And some of those were variations. So they weren't all new products. Bigger size, higher uh, can count, different flavors. And so they kind of took the stance early on. They never knew what was really gonna hit. So they kind of almost like a machine were launching probably 10 products a year. But they were always self-funded. So it's not like they were raising a bunch of debt or putting themselves in some crazy financial situation. Sometimes they had more profits, sometimes they had less. Once they found their big winner, they almost didn't have enough use of the cash. They were spitting off so many cash, so much cash. But to get there, they were launching probably like 10 products a year or so. Now, also on contrast, ads and content. So there's kind of two ways to make ads work. Um, you can blend in or you can stand out. This is why in email marketing this is my actually, one of my Clavio accounts I always have an email template that looks like this, and I use it almost exclusively. I call it the Gmail lookalike super signatures. This thing I got from the internet marketing part, person this is not very really that important. The Gmail lookalike is the important part. I try to make my marketing email, because it comes from me. So if you're sending an email from your brand, this may not work as well. But if you use your, yourself, your name, like it's coming from a real person, I want that to look and feel like an email that's like a Gmail email. So when I design that email template, I'll sit there with a Gmail email open. I'll sit there with Klaviyo open. I'm like, how do I make this look as similar as possible? Um, And so I push the unsubscribe down a little bit, nothing excessive. I still want people to be unsubscribed because I don't have email deliverability issues. But I don't want an unsubscribe button that's like blinking in orange, like staring at them in their face because that doesn't look like a normal email. So it's still there, you can still access it, no problem. But more importantly, I make the formatting of the font as close as possible to Gmail. So this is blending in. So using an email marketing all the time. The other way that we're going to spend more time talking about is standing out. Two principles. If you can blend in and make it feel like a native ad, um, that works fine, um, but if you can also make it stand out, that's good too. What you don't want to do is get caught somewhere in the middle where it's just boring. This is Snoop Dogg. So back in the day, obviously very popular rapper, everyone knows who Snoop Dogg is. If you wanted to be a popular rapper today, what should you do to stand out? I know a guy who figured it out. This is not an ethical guy. This is not a guy we want life lessons from, but he's done well in marketing. He went from nothing to like top of the charts. Today's rapper also went to jail after for things we don't need to talk about. <laughs> But it's this guy. If you want to be a rapper in the 90s, you look like this. If you want to stand out today on social media, you look like this. Nobody has a colored grill. Nobody has rainbow hair. Not many people that are 17 are tattooing their face. Um, But it's a way to stand out. And it worked. I mean, this guy posting on social media, calling out other rappers, stands out. And so he blew up. He made some bad ethical and life decisions, but beyond that, he really did well in terms of selling his actual music, which is not particularly that good in my opinion. And I like rap music. Another guy, Devin's favorite, uh, he's a smart guy, definitely knows his marketing, wrote a great book, a lot of good direct marketing stuff, if you all want to pick it up, not a bad choice, $100 million offers. He's not doing videos in a dress like me. Uh, (laughs) His viewership, I think, would tank a lot. But when this guy is sitting here spouting off you know, good marketing advice, good business advice, but he looks like a lumberjack, and a lot of times he has his, like nose strip on, because I guarantee you he's seen that those videos get a lot more views than if he is. Like, he's been clean shaven here and there. Those videos are not the ones you find if you just search them on social media, because these ones blow up. These guys are good at standing out on social media, and I think that's what you have to do. So this is a dollar shave club. They ended up selling for a billion dollars to Unilever uh, four years after this ad went out. So this ad has 28 million views. Um, These guys and the guys behind them, I think it's the Harmon brothers, very good at creating you know, uh, video creative. I'm not saying you have to go all the way there, but they created this sort of comedy sketch kind of video for a razor blade company, that the razor blades are probably the same as everyone else is why would they say. Uh, But this ad stood out very different than what everyone else had. So this thing works. This is a snow teeth whitening, uh, teeth whitening brand that has done very well. Pretty much all of their ads that do well, have uh, some influencer people, usually, sometimes athletes or celebrities, whoever they're using, always have this glowing thing in their mouth, standing out. So it's rather than just somebody with a great smile saying, this thing whitened my teeth, they have this blue glowing thing sticking in their mouth, because this is going to stand out when you're scrolling on social media. Other people, I'm sure, are probably ripping it off now and stuff, but they were some of the first ones to really push that. And so that thing is going to stand out in your ads. Uh, And this is, for example, I pulled Oral-B. Look at the two different ads. It's like one looks super boring. in terms of click-through rate and everything else like that, this one's absolutely, absolutely going to dominate. That one's going to do probably mediocre, but they're building a big brand. So <clears throat> ours, somebody was asking, maybe it was Mike the other day. Yeah, Mike was like, "How do you get great creative? I need to get some, you know, fancy videographers and whatever." This is 100% stock photography. I believe this is our ad that um, we've sent the most money to in the last seven days, uh, and this literally just a headline. We've tested a lot of stuff, so it's not like we just came out of this out of nowhere but has a picture on the left of some moldy coffee person on the right holding their stomach. Regardless, whether this would work for you or not, it's something to try. Um, But it's not boring. It stands out. It's not kind of like your normal kind of Facebook post. You used to probably not even be able to get away with this on Facebook, but Facebook got a hell of a lot more lenient over the past few years. Uh, So this kind of thing works. It's great. And then this is our, I think, probably second highest traffic ad. I don't have the video in here. It doesn't really matter. It's just pouring this kind of coffee drink. This is a stock video, also. I don't think we didn't shoot this ourselves. So, this is another one that's working extremely well, just stands out. Close up video of food, you know, sort of makes, sort of taps into that primal sort of hunger. <laughs> I like seeing food that tastes good and stuff. Our only job for the ads is, I mean, this, this headline, by the way, I wrote this headline. We've never been able to beat this. This was in the first, like, beginning of 2019. I wrote a bunch of ads and stuff. This headline, because this headline is another part of standing out. And so, other than that, that stayed the same. Um, we, our only job is to send him raw content, meaning like if we do a product photo shoot, we send him those nice videos and photos and stuff. Uh, if we have customers that we get testimonials from, we send him those, everything else he does uh, because they need to move so fast, create so many different options because it's so cheap to test these things that that should be their job. So that is his job. So he'll create all these variations. I never gave him anything that looked anything like this. Um, I had a couple ads at the beginning, but those are not the ones that ended up winning later on other than the text part. Um this video we found early on, because one of our early ads that was working really well was the same copy and stuff that I had written, but then it was like just a close-up picture of a piece of chocolate cake getting cut. And so that gave us ideas. The Dalgona coffee thing exploded on TikTok, these close-up little coffee videos of this delicious-looking coffee getting made, something similar to this, that blew up. So that gave us an idea. Hey, we should do these close-up videos of like little tasty-looking coffee drinks. Um so that was it. And he kind of ran with it. And he's tested probably hundreds of variations of that kind of thing. But he does all that stuff himself. And I think that's how it should be. Because they need to move fast. So I think the overall rule of this is don't be boring. My number one rule of advertising. This is my number one feedback. And I've given the feedback internally in the companies. Every person we've ever hired to do any social media stuff, this is me complaining to Callie, complaining to Mike. And then maybe sometimes I'll eventually tell them. Um, But this is the thing where... People always get wrong. It's like they create these ads. They're like, it doesn't work, but it looks like some boring corporate thing. I'm like, that's why it doesn't work. I was like, you don't need to do that. We don't own, you know, a billion dollar company where we have to check with like 17 layers of like legal um, people to, to approve anything. As long as it's good, it's like you're not, not um, breaking any rules. Uh, you're just doing something that stands out, then it's fine. If you were selling a weight loss supplement, and you're doing like a before and after i'd be a hell of a lot more careful i look through facebook ad policies possibly talk with an attorney but as long as you're not jumping into something that's like that extreme then anything else that just stands out kind of shocks people is probably fine um, so number one rule of advertising don't be boring because of that contrast principle so hopefully you enjoyed that episode so the last three ones we've done including today's have been mainly about how do you reach as many people as possible with your marketing and grab as much attention as possible. What we're gonna get into next, which I spent a lot of time trying to master this skill, and some people have said that you know I'm one of the best copywriters or conversion marketers on the planet. Whether that's true or not, who knows, but I've produced hundreds of millions of dollars in sales with these specific skills. So now you figured out how to reach people, I'm gonna show you everything that I know about how to convert those people into paying customers who preferably buy as much as humanly possible from you up front. So we're going to get all into that coming next. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to my YouTube channel to get all these episodes 100% for free. Thank you, and I'll see you tomorrow.